up destiny. We have one practice every year where they come up on a court. There's no balls. There's no drills. All we do is practice cutting the net down. It's true. I have a scissor, a gold scissor. They, can we carry each other up? We cut the net. They hook me up. I cut the last one. We do that. 52 all. This is for the national championship. That's my dream. Cutting the nets down. And I have put a dream. My dream. And I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast. Welcome back into the film room. And this week we have the man out of Hall County, Nebraska, a Nebraska legend, journalist, photographer, Scottish ball striker, superior everything to the rest of us. Mr. Tony Chapman, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good, Marty. Looking forward to this one. I think it'll be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. We are here in the film room, episode. Uh, I got to be honest with you. I can't remember exactly what number episode this is, but it'll be on the title. Uh, we are going to talk about the 30 for 30 Survive and Advance, detailing the story of the 1983. North Carolina State men's college basketball team that found a way to win eight games in a row to win the national championship in spectacular fashion. Uh, a a what a, you know America. Th- this whole thing, Tony. I think this is where I want to start. This whole story from start to finish. It, it is kind of. Purely America, uh, in that we love the underdog, we love the Cinderella, great success, achieve the ultimate goal, and then we slowly but surely start to tear that down. It gets torn down, we reach rock bottom, and then it is brought back up, and we love the the return of the icon. And that's kind of what we see from this whole story here. That's that's kind of the overlying message, in, or one of the messages that I see in in this documentary. Tony, that's my that's my opening shot here. What do you think of that? Yeah, it is uh, the quintessential underdog story, and really, I, I don't know if NC State even was really an underdog. They were a really good team that battled through adversity in the best. Mm-hmm conference at the time in america uh the acc and just you know then what they did to obviously win the national championship was absolutely outstanding i mean i mean the teams they had to beat to do it uh were 
you know, the, so, some of the, I mean, I think you probably could argue they might have beat three teams. Uh, so you said eight games. Yep. Four, of their, four of their wins, four of their wins in that eight-team stretch, I think you probably, some would argue they might have been, they might be in the top 20-ish teams of all time. In college basketball uh, history? Yeah. 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 I, 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 I really do. I mean, I think what they did and who they beat, um, just absolutely, absolutely amazing. And then yeah. a little bit of help along the way, too. Obviously, you know that. You've got to always have a little bit of luck and a little bit of help to, to win a championship, and they got that. Yeah. But they got great play and great coaching along the way, too. So it was kind of every little thing you need uh, to win a championship is kind of all in this story, which makes it really cool. Yes. Uh, you know, I, uh, Tony, I don't know how old you were when all of this happened. Um, uh, <laughs> I was... I, I'm going to tell you, Marty. I was going on seven. Okay. Um, so not that much younger than me. I was nine. It's the yeah. It's the first national championship game I remember watching. Okay. I I cannot I cannot tell you that I watched Jordan the year before, but I can tell you I, I can tell you I watched this one. I remember watching it uh, with my dad. I absolutely remember watching it. So my two favorite sports are, of course, basketball. And then baseball. And two or three things happened right at this point in my development as a sports fan. Uh, And this was one of them. I distinctly, like you, remember watching this game. I don't remember the Jordan game from 82, but I remember the NC State game from 83. Uh, A few months later, the Philadelphia 76ers won the championship. Moses Malone, Dr. J, all that other stuff. And then, and then I mean, this part of it had already begun for me, but I really fell in love with with baseball the next summer, the summer of 84, Chicago Cubs, Ryan Sandberg, Harry Carey, all, Rick Sutcliffe, all of that stuff, and just mm-hmm. boom, boom, boom. And, you know, this is one of those events that if you are a, a child of the 80s in some way, shape, or form, uh, this is one of those sporting events that is you can make the argument it's on the Mount Rushmore of 1980s sporting events. So you got the Miracle on Ice, which is probably the George Washington on Mount Rushmore of mm-hmm. 80s sporting events. But you you could make a really, really good argument that this should be there. Um, the, the Buckner game uh, might be on there. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Maybe the 84 Olympics. Uh, I, I, I don't, I, you know, but it's yeah. right there. It's right there. So, yeah, you had you had 83. I had 1986. I think we've talked about this before, but 86 with my dad, his first football playoff team, uh, Hoosiers, uh, Jack Nicholas wins the Masters. Oh, Um, there you go. Yep. That that's an iconic 80s, uh, 80s sports moment. And and for me, uh, that was when uh, so in 86, that was that was the. That was when I decided to love Duke. Uh, I've loved Duke since since then, uh, when they lost to when they lost to Louisville in the uh, who had a who had a role in this Final Four. But when they lost to Louisville in the '86 National Championship game, I knew that Duke was going to be my my team for the rest of time. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is this is one of the things that that I fell in love with uh, when it came to basketball, or helped me fall in love with basketball. Uh, what's ironic about this, Tony, is basically this story spurred not one but two 30 for 30s because you have this one on nc state 
mm-hmm. you have the five slamma jamma one, which yep. is I would think if when you know when we get to season three of the film room, uh, that's yeah. going to be in in heavy consideration uh, for yeah. that. Um, some of the players that this just this featured uh, that were either mentioned or were played against Michael Jordan, Sam Perkins, Ralph Sampson, Chris Mullen, <laughs> Patrick Ewing, Ewing Akeem Olajuwon, uh, Clyde Drexler, uh, everybody mm-hmm. but Perkins, first ballot Hall of Famers. Uh, mm-hmm. Just just a, a tremendous trip down memory lane. Uh, I've got three or four things that brought me down memory lane. Uh, Tony, I I, I want to share those with you. Number one, the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia, <laughs> the, the the old Omni, yeah. Uh, yeah. watching watching the Atlanta Hawks on TBS and Dominique Wilkins and yeah. and Glenn Rivers and the Stinger Mike Glenn. Uh, mm-hmm. That was that was big for for me. And tree the, Tree Rollins. There you go. Yes, Kevin Lockery. Uh, Golly, who else? Dan Roundfield uh, was another one. Yes, the yes. So the the Omni was one of those. Um, would you like another one, sir? Sure, go for it. Painters caps. Do you remember painters caps, Mister Chapman? <laughs> well, not so much, but they are very very prevalent in the uh, in the uh, NC State party. That's for sure. <laughs> so. Uh, I'm a couple years older than you. I had an Iowa Hawkeyes painter cap that I wore to death. I think I think I just my head just one day just popped through the top of it. So whenever I see something from '83, '84 ish, I love the the painters caps. Um, and then the other thing that was just historically significant for me in a retro manner uh, was the Louisville Houston. Semifinal, um, just phew, what a game! What a game, Tony. Do you remember that game at all? You know, I I can't say that I do remember that game. So I'm guessing it was probably the late semifinal because the the matinee had to be the two low seeded teams that were there. So I I don't remember Houston and Louisville so much. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, uh, but I mean, I remember. I mean, I remember Houston. So I don't know. I have to maybe go back, but I remember uh, in the old J.C. Penny Christmas catalog, they had oh, yeah, they had basketball hoops that you could get with team names on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and my first one was a Houston Cougars basketball nice uh, basketball backboard and uh christmas of 83 that changed to nc state so uh <laughs> the chapman boys uh got an nc state wolf pack uh basketball hoop that uh that basically screwed into the plywood in the garage yep. at, our, at our house and uh oh boy there was some there was some blood sweat and tears uh <laughs> over the nc state wolf pack basketball backboard so, so. so you had two of them no, we we just, traded the Houston one in oh, for the NC State. Oh, I see. I would have uh, kept NC it, State played full was, court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a little narrow. Gotcha. Um, a little narrow. Gotcha. So okay. Well, yeah. the 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 athleticism on display, uh, and you were right. The 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 Georgia NC State game was the the opening act, and and then the, the headliner. Undercard. Yeah, yeah, the the undercard. I, yeah, that's a good. Way I'd to put say it. too, Marty. I, I interrupt you really quick. All those names you rattled off. 
Did you notice something that you, of all those names you rattled off? Well, almost all of them, except, well, all of them stayed until their junior year. And then yeah. Jordan, Elijah Wan, and Drexler all declared after their junior year. I do remember that. Yeah, all I would tell you is that you didn't list a single NC State player in that list. No. And they won the national championship. And that's the team that won the national championship. You are correct. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so uh, the semifinal, and, and this is an amazing statistic, Tony. All right. Uh, Louisville, Houston, five slamma jamma, Louisville, crazy athletic, Denny Crum, all that other stuff. Uh, those two teams combined that game. You want to guess how many dunks combined they had in that game? I think it was in the 30s. Wasn't quite that high. Wasn't okay. That high. 21. All right, well, yeah. Yeah, Houston had 14, and Louisville had 7. I believe I read online at one point, Houston had 6 consecutive dunks. They they had 6 consecutive field goals, and they were all dunks in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know, last season, the average number of dunks in an NBA game? The two teams combined. No way. 12. Lower. Wow. Eight. Oh, no. Eight. Eight. Wow. Eight. Amazing. So this this college game in 1983 had 21 dunks in it. And today, the average NBA game, 40 years later, only averages eight dunks a game with the two teams combined. So that just kind of puts into perspective just how wide open and crazy athletic these, you know, a lot of times we discount how athletic and exciting the game was at that time but oh my goodness gracious what a tremendous tremendous display of athleticism by both of these teams uh in that semifinal and it was kind of you know Houston probably let down a little bit they thought they had the championship in the bag and we'll get to that stuff here in a little bit here um the last thing I want to talk about before we start diving into kind of the official categories here Tony let's talk about Ralph Sampson a little bit because I think Ralph Sampson (laughs) is slightly underrated as to how hyped he was as a college prospect and and his early professional career and what people thought he was going to do once he became once he came into the pros. Tony for our, for our younger listeners, give us a little Ralph Sampson scouting report. Uh 7-4, right? So I mean if you just watch the NBA draft, he was Wemba Wine, basically, he was like the first one ever. I mean, he was 7'4", number one recruit in the nation coming out of high school in 1978 or 79. I think the thing you, at least for me, I think there's two things about Ralph Sampson. I think, unfortunately, his college career is remembered more for its losses than its wins. Yep. the NC State, uh, both these NC State games that we'll probably talk about, Chaminade. I mean, oh, that's probably right. yeah. the biggest upset in the history of ever uh, is Chaminade over over Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in, in the pro game, I might be misspeaking here, but uh, Ralph Sampson kind of uh, – Ralph Sampson was the guy who really broke up the Lakers run in the West. Mm-hmm. Him mean, and Elijah Wan. Yep. Yeah, him and Elijah Wan were really uh, – and so I think he's underrated there. I mean, he's he's got to be in the – I mean, when you think about the top 10 
seven footers of all time. He's got to be in there. I mean, he was just an absolute stud. And then, I mean, you think of the things that Valvano tried to do, and you think the the ACC tournament final game where he basically scrapped everything, played three guys against four, Mm -hmm. uh, triangle and two, fronting and backing Samson the whole game. Um, You know, and you just feel like if – if Ralph would have had somebody who didn't turn out to be a coach, uh, Jeff Jones, Rick Carlisle, uh, with him, he, he might have been. He might have won. He might have won a national title. He just it just never seemed. You know, you, you know everything you watch about those Virginia teams is that you know you never you never talk about anybody else. Correct. Like, I mean, so yeah. uh, that that I think was probably the the undoing of. Of, of Samson in a lot of the games that their teams lost, he just didn't have enough help around him. Yeah. You know, I, I, I bring that up because, you know, we had the draft last week and everybody, you know, who does Wimbenyama compare to and things like that. And I really think that Ralph Samson is about the closest thing that we've ever had to, to Wimbenyama. And, and, and of course the fear is when you have this, this person that's seven foot four, seven foot five, and we've seen it with, Samson, we saw it with Yao Ming, you know, different body types with Yao and Ralph, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's almost like a ticking time bomb with, uh, their body breaking down. I mean, Samson basically had about three and a half, four good years and mm-hmm. then his knees started going out and, yeah. and Yao went out after, you know, he had about seven or eight really good years. And then that was, you know, yeah. that was it. And it was over very quickly for him. And, and, and I think that, uh, it sounds like Wimbenyama has tried to, you know, do a lot of preventative stuff and, and so forth. But but my point being is, if you if you kind of wanted to know, has there ever been a Victor Wimbenyama before? Uh, this is probably about the closest comparison we have in body type, in yep. skill level. You know, Samson was basically a seven foot four kind of playmaking face up. Post player, mm-hmm. he wasn't like Kareem or, or Walton or any of those other really really tall difference makers. He, yep. You know, he was he was a different type of player. So, yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. Coaches are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, "Strip the house down to the studs." I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. All right, Tony, let's dive in here. Let's dive into the categories. Let's jump in. Uh, how often should you rewatch this documentary, Mr. Chapman? Wow, that's a that's a that's a good one. I thought I thought about this a lot mm-hmm. uh, after watching it a few times over the last couple of weeks. It it uh, by the way, I'm just gonna uh, throw out there. It is number four on my thirty for thirty all time list. Okay, uh, so what's three two one? 
three, two, one. So my all-time favorite is uh, the best that never was, Marcus Dupree. Oh, that's a great one. Yep. My my number two is I'm I'm disappointed this one is not included in the film room. Uh, my number two is the Guru of Go, Paul Westhead in the 1990 Low Marymount. We did that one last uh, year. Oh, uh, we did. You did, and I didn't get to do it. That's my number two. Okay, uh, it's my absolute. Uh, uh, I wore 44 in high school. Oh, uh, for, for, for Hank? one reason, one reason only. Yeah, he was. That was when I was in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. He died the day after my dad's girls team won the state championship. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my number three is Pony Excess. Oh yes, uh, SMU football. Uh, we've got a payroll to keep. <laughs> so, uh, so this so Survivor and Advance fits in right behind uh, there. And after you know, I've watched it you know time and again over. But uh, I would say that if you pay the money at the four ninety nine a month to have ESPN Plus, you can watch this whenever you want. I'd fire it up at conference tournament time just for fun. How about how about once a year? Gotcha. No, that Long that answer. makes sense. No, that, I, yep. I think I think it's a great way to inspire your team uh, before you head out. There's there's a lot of divergent storylines that come through it, mm-hmm. and and we'll I'm sure we'll get to those. So once a year sounds good to me, Tony. That that sounds really good. So um, favorite scenes, favorite scenes. Mm. Um, yeah, I have. Oh, one thing I forgot historically here uh, that I forgot to throw out there. Uh, in 1983, the the that's when they were experimenting with the three point line. Should we have it? Yes. Should we not have it? And every conference had a different three point line for conference play, and the yep. ACC had that old 17 foot three point line, which is yes. like. And so I remember watching college basketball as a young kid, and you know, 100, 118 to 110, and and mm-hmm. North Carolina hit 42 three pointers tonight. It's like <laughs> basically a layup, you know. So yeah. Uh, yep. But I remember that. So I had about um, I got about five five or six different favorite scenes. Uh, how many do you have, Tony? Oh man, uh, I probably we're probably gonna piggyback off each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, why don't you uh, why don't you go? I, I've got you know three to four that stick out to me. But okay. why don't you go ahead and why don't you go ahead and, and okay. go and then. Maybe we can rotate. Or okay, something. how about that? Yeah, we'll do. The, we can do the tennis match thing. How about that? Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. I, 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 one of my favorite scenes, and and I think uh, you and I, uh, in the last few years, we both experienced kind of some personal uh, losses uh, mm-hmm. that that have hit home with with both of us. You know, you you losing your father, me losing a couple of really really close friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, throughout the movie, of course, the, the it's centered around the death of Lorenzo Charles and these guys getting together and basically they're filming this meal um, Mm -hmm. and and they're sitting down and they're, you know, all these, these players are reminiscing players and coaches and and managers and whomever Mm -hmm. they may be. I I love that. I I love that. Um, It's more Derek. I love Derek Wittenberg's line about that when he said if we don't do this once a year the only time we're going to see each other is at each other's funerals absolutely and i just love what that you know that's what's yeah mm-hmm. that, that that's a good that's a good one yeah so i i know for me those situations mean more to me than they ever have before i yeah. mean uh, i'm going to be 50 here pretty soon right. and and so i love the concept of just seeing these guys it reminds me of me and my friends and and some mm-hmm. of my coaching buddies just sitting around busting each other's chops and and just 
you know, it's it's kind of nice to sit around and talk about the good old days every once in a while. And and so that to me is one of the best scenes, even though it's, there's not a singular scene of that, but it plays yeah. throughout the, the doc. So yeah, so uh, I'll 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 piggyback on you and say that I love the interspersing they have of Valvano's speech. Um, that that kind of you know it goes on throughout the documentary, much like the the sports bar or the you know the the dine the the restaurant scene does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know to to listen uh, for me personally to listen to Jim Valvano talk about his dad mm-hmm. uh, and what he meant to him uh, throughout the throughout the whole documentary is is really special. And of course the uh, uh, of course his favorite lines, one of his favorite quotes. Um, is you know is my dad gave me the best gift anyone could ever give anyone he believed in me mm-hmm. and uh i think you see that throughout the movie even as you listen to those interviews that uh valvano believed in his dudes mm-hmm. uh and he believed in who he was as a coach and it was kind of quirky and kind of weird and it wasn't you know he wasn't dean smith he wasn't john wooden he mm-hmm. wasn't guy lewis he wasn't denny crumb he was jim valvano yeah. and he was gonna beat you uh you never he was gonna probably beat you but you never knew how yeah uh, he was an amazing adapter i thought uh to was willing to do just about anything and uh and so and, and i think he got a lot of that from you know from from his parents who were immigrants uh immigrants from italy and i always i always laugh he he he, he says uh you know my dad thought my dad never left new york city he but his bags were always packed to go see me win the national title and he goes yeah uh he thought the brooklyn the bronx bridge or something was canada yeah. uh, there's yeah. some funny line in there but yeah. but uh, so i would just say just that speech in general as it's mixed in throughout uh as it's mixed in throughout the uh uh, as it's mixed in throughout the documentary, mm-hmm. um, is for, is is one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up for me, I love the stuff. I love the story of again, kind of intermingling that in the the evolution of the relationship with Shashevsky and Valvano, and mm-hmm. obviously it was for not good reasons, you know, yeah. uh, because because V was 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 dying, uh, mm-hmm. but just. Uh, one of the great things about the fraternity that that you and I are in, Tony, this 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 crazy sports fraternity and coaching and and covering sports is the relationships that you make. And mm-hmm. you know, I know it has been very true in my career uh, that that people I thought that man, I'm a I just I hate that dude or I hate that gal or whatever. They're trying, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean. You know, you, you once you step away, once you start to get to know each other, you, you, you turn to have these these great relationships, and uh, you know. So again, un, it was under a sad circumstance, but just to see uh, these kind of two opposite guys, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in their demeanor and how they handled themselves. I mean, Shashevsky from the military, the, the you know the, the the academy background, and and Valvano, the the, the freewheeling Italian guy from from New York. Uh, it's just it's just cool to watch every time. Yeah, these are two of the greatest noses in the history of basketball. <laughs> I remember Wojciechowski sitting there talking to Witten, Wittenberg in his yep. office. That yep. one, that one, that one cracks me up. Yep. That one cracks me up. What, so, what's another favorite one of yours? Yeah, so so good stuff. I would say uh, I'll kind of I'll kind of get into it um, a little bit. 
in the in in the coaching sense. So I think my favorite. One of my favorite parts of the of, of the documentary is, of course, they start out the the docu uh, they start out the documentary um, about Sidney Lowe and Derek Wittenberg and playing at the Matha. Oh, and man. you know, at at, at uh, uh, this past spring, I went with Ella to to Washington D.C. and and we happened to stay uh, at the University of Maryland. Uh, our hotel was at the University of Maryland. Every day we would drive into Washington D.C. and every day uh we would drive past to Matha high school mm-hmm. and so i got to give her this uh kind of morgan wooten oral history lesson and uh which was which was so cool uh but that wittenberg and Lowe played together at the Matha, uh that norm sloan gets fired and they want morgan wooten to come be their coach and he turns them down the whole that valvano was even there was almost an upset almost as much of an upset as them actually winning the darn thing and so like i just love that that whole how that whole thing played out but then uh the step then forward then to finally they get to their senior year they've not done anything really and they're finally playing really well and wittenberg's going off against ralph samson and virginia breaks his foot mm-hmm. um and uh it's not a full break he's able to come back and he finally comes back and they're playing like horse manure and uh He's mad and he slams the door. And I love that whole conversation. I love that whole part where they've got the the newspaper guy in there who was interviewing Valvano outside the locker room and he can hear Wittenberg screaming at his guys like, I didn't come back here to lose Mm -hmm. ACC. And and just uh, that. I think what you, I guess what I get out of that is that every great team's got a dog, and it's no doubt who the dog was for for NC State and just the leadership that he showed for his team uh, through the hard time, uh, and then to get them to where they got. I thought that was you know a really cool cool part of the documentary, and it was needed. I mean, you know that as a coach, you need kind of sometimes need those people uh, on your team to to do things that maybe you can't as a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you. Uh, if I had a nickel, I actually had this conversation with one of my seniors at our last team camp uh, last week. Yep. And I and I told her, the more you talk, and the less I talk the better we'll be this year. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, she's an introverted gal. She's pretty quiet. She wants to lead by example, but it's just, you know, you're yeah. just kind of trying to, and, you know, I told her, you know, you can't be something that you're not, So you because know, people will see right through that as well. But It can't be fake. But no it can't, doubt about it. Yeah, it can't be right. fake. But, but you know, we had a game where we, we didn't play well, and, you know, if, if you lead that after that situation and it does it's just it doesn't have to be any big deal but you talking for 15 20 seconds is better than me anything i would say for the next five minutes you know right and and so you know it's 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 a process and you and you continue to work on it you know so um and isn't it and isn't it isn't it interesting that Wittenberg wasn't only he was he was the dog in 1983, but he's the dog in 2011, 2012. Yes, he's still the guy getting everybody together, doing the whole you know doing the whole thing, and uh, you know that's I think I think that kind of speaks to who he is as a as a person. Yes, the the unquestioned alpha of that entire yeah. group, with yep. without a doubt. So yeah, um, 
I really liked Tony, uh, the the North Carolina uh, ACC tournament semifinal game. God, you stole it from me. <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry. Um, you know, a quarter of an inch, and and yes. and, and, and we're not. We're not. This is. This is a. This is. This never happens. If mm-hmm. Sam Perkins hits that shot, this yeah. never happens. Uh, but he didn't. And and the whole thing. Uh, you know, it was before Michael Jordan became Michael Jordan. So Wittenberg thought he was better than Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. And he was going to come and kick kick Michael Jordan's butt. And <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, just a a, a great. Uh, just a, a great summation of of what was a a, a terrific terrific basketball game uh, that kind of kickstarted this whole run that they that they went through. So so uh, I I don't remember I don't remember exactly, but of course he starts fouling there, yep. which I don't know how common that is with that much time left in the game. But I think that I see I think I think they were down eighty two seventy six. With two fifteen left in overtime, mm-hmm. and they finished the game on a fifteen two run in the last two minutes and win ninety one eighty four. And I'm just sitting there going, you know, you, you kind of sit there and you think about how the game has changed with the free throw and stuff. You know, next year in high school, we're going to not have one and ones anymore. Yep, uh, you know, totally changes the pressure of the of the game. And, and not only did they use that strategy against North Carolina, they had to use it obviously in the NCAA tournament um, against Pepperdine who mm-hmm. had them dead to rights basically. Yep. So yep. Uh, yeah, really interesting uh, coaching moves there. And uh, I'm always reminded of a good friend who's a, uh, who's older than us, uh, but uh, is a big North Carolina fan. And he always said that there was a, a saying in the, in the ACC that there's one guy in the ACC who could hold Jordan under 20. Dean Smith. Dean Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and and, you know, what was even more remarkable about that is, you know, Dean Smith was the, the, the inventor of the, the uh, four corners, you know, Phil Ford. And and here's the guy who invented milking the clock in the upteenth manner. And he gets beat. By his own game, so to speak. Yep. So, um, so yeah, I, I love that part of it. So, uh, sorry, I stole that one. I'll let you go on the next one here, Tony. What do you got? Um, so, I'm going to go with the disaster that was the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament in Corvallis. <laughs> uh, you think the tournament's changed a little bit? <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I about lose it when they show the picture of Alvano's hotel room. Uh, <laughs> and it's got the mirrors on the ceiling and it's got the mirrors behind the, the, the headboard. And you're like, Oh my God. And then Kozel I thought, it, I thought it might remind you of your honeymoon, Tony. Yeah, no. And then Kozel <laughs> McQueen's talking about this place looks like we should be selling drugs out of it. And, and you know, the NCAA tournament's on tape delay and I mean, all this stuff. So, uh, but again, uh, you know, to, to piggyback on your North Carolina game, they have to do the same thing against Pepperdine, who Pepperdine is coached by Jim Herrick, who, mm-hmm. who is in the uh, who is in the. Uh, uh, in the documentary as well, and was the coach of UCLA's national championship team in 1995. But yep. uh, Pepperdine has got uh, what did they say? They were up six with a minute four left. Yep, uh, up six in a minute four left in the first overtime. NC State uh, 
forces a turnover, and I think Pepperdine's 85% career free throw shooter misses a front end at two one-and-ones. Yep. They force double overtime and beat Pepperdine. Um, 53 teams in that NCAA tournament. So you had 13 regions of uh, thir- or 13 teams in four regions back yep. then, and the tournament didn't get to 80 or 64 teams until 85. So, yep. um, so they beat Pepperdine, and then uh, oh, and then really they upset. You know, UNLV is 28 and two. Yeah, um, and. Uh, it, by gosh, if Valvano doesn't beat the two best towel coaches uh, in the in the history of the game, well, well, John Thompson, the, yeah, John Thompson, you've got to throw it. So two of the three best towel coaches, yep, uh, in the history of the game. But uh, uh, you know, really, uh, the whole Corvallis regional it just was kind of a <laughs> it was all it was all hilarious, mostly uh, I would say, and then. You know they beat uh, they get the late tip in from Thurl Bailey to uh, uh, to beat UNLV and they win their you know their fit their they kind of start dubbing them the cardiac kids at that point it's their yep. fifth straight uh, uh, one pointer overtime uh, win and uh, off they go to imagine this is the next part and I'll let you go after this but off they go to the Sweet Sixteen um, at Weber State imagine yeah. playing a, a Sweet Sixteen game at uh, Ogden, Utah. Yes. Um, uh, in in twenty twenty four. So yeah, that uh, that's one of the things, and and it always kind of I don't want to say always, but it it slips my mind a bit when I think of yeah, I I don't remember it until you see it here that you know yeah here we are we are. Uh, you know, here's some of the places that they that they held games at. Uh, mm-hmm. So you had uh, Corvallis, Boise, Idaho, which they have. They don't. I, they it hasn't been terribly long ago since they've used it. Uh, Evansville, Indiana. Uh, yep. Yeah, twelve thousand seats for that place there. Um, Louisville, Dayton, uh, Philadelphia, Hartford, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the regional well, the days, you know, all the Civic Auditorium hosted games as as late as 1977. Uh, Marquette, when they won the national championship, their first two, their first two rounds were played at the Civic Auditorium. Yeah, so yeah, it is it is safe to say that the the tournament has grown just a bit. It has changed. It has changed a smidge. Just yep. a smidge. Yes. So, um, so yeah. Uh, the 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 Virginia Elite Eight game, you know, they got to beat Samson again after mm-hmm. they just beat him a couple of weeks ago, uh, mm-hmm. which again they they find a way to do it. And I think kind of uh, Tony, I think you uh, you can appreciate this next statement, or you you understand this. So, you know, the two great Cinderellas of this time period. Again, you had in in four years you had three all-time classic NCAA championship games. You had the Jordan shot in '82. You got this one in '83, and then in '85 you got Villanova defeating Georgetown, which is probably you know some people say mm-hmm. is even a bigger upset than what NC State did. Um, yep. But but what is interesting is both North Carolina State and Villanova had played these teams multiple times throughout the season. They had played high level. They had been highly competitive, experienced mm-hmm. teams with great senior leadership. And yeah, they both definitely caught lightning in a bottle. Uh, mm-hmm. But they did not come into any of these games terribly intimidated by any of these teams, and 
and for uh, for North Carolina State, uh, I believe that was the fourth time that they had played Virginia that year. So it wasn't like they were going at Samson going, gosh, what do we do? How do we figure this out? What are we going to, you know, you know, thinking of it in that way, they lost to them and they were kicking, they were kicking their butt before Wittenberg got hurt. They went to Virginia, lost by 11. Uh, Mm -hmm. then they beat Virginia and then they beat Virginia again, you know, so they lost to them seven straight times until that ACC final. But, but like you said, a lot of them close. Yes. Um, so sometimes you, you start, you start thinking you're due uh, mm-hmm. a little bit, so yeah. Oh um, yeah, oh yeah. And again, I'm gonna I'm nine days, nine uh, eight days out of seven. I'm gonna take Derek Wittenberg and Sidney Lowe over uh, Rick Carlisle and and Jeff <laughs> Jones probably. So hey, hey Rick Carlisle know. was on the '86 Celtics. Don't forget that there. You know, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> uh, what I else? I got what? one. I got one more favorite scene. Uh, what do you got, Tony? Uh, I'm gonna. I'll throw this one out there at you, and uh, then I'll I'll let you do the last one. This will this will this will be my last one, um, unless you, I don't know. I'm gonna guess to see where you're going, but just for a little comic relief, uh, I'm gonna go the scene in the ACC tournament hotel where he's doing the radio show, and all the old fans are like behind him, and he starts interviewing them. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, classic classic Jim Valvano for me. So uh, that I, I, I laughed there, but, you know, just to hear him uh, when they talk, you know, when, he, when they're interviewing him about the pep rally and the, just his personality, but that scene in the hotel where uh, he's interviewing all the old boosters and stuff like that. Uh, I love that one. So I'll, I'll throw that one out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to wrap with this one. Um you know, you have the championship game and 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 everything that happened there, and uh, uh, but just the there's there's so many iconic things that come out of this entire story, Tony, and and of course one of them is after Lorenzo Charles dunks the the shot to win the game. You know, the iconic image of Jimmy V running around looking for somebody to hug. You know, yeah. uh, and, and that that gets me uh, every single time. Um, you know, anytime that you like, you're watching a game on film, and and there's a game winning shot, and you see a coach uh, just kind of jump around like, "What do I do? What do I do?" You think of Jimmy V. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jimmy Motes down at Norris. He he won a district <laughs> championship, and I saw it on on the news or something like that. And he kind of did the Jimmy V, where he was like looking for somebody to hug, and for like three or four seconds, he did. So I texted yeah. him right away, "Hey, hey, nice nice job tonight, Jimmy V. You you were looking for somebody to hug, and you couldn't find yeah. him or whatever." And and I think that is. Uh, there, there's a lot of iconic uh, lines, and we'll get to that here in a little bit. But that's that's mm-hmm. an iconic image of this entire story. Yep, absolutely. I I totally agree with that. And since you didn't say it, I'll say my other favorite scene is that Jim Valvano had the guts to have his team have a practice every year where they cut the nets down. Yep. I think that's fantastic, and I think you should adopt it. Yep. So that, that's uh, I'll just leave that one at that. Th- th- so. That may have been used before, Tony, and it may be used again. How about that? I'm just gonna, I'm just going to leave good. it at that. So very good. Very uh, good. Worst scenes um, for me, Tony. Mm. I, I don't think there's any bad scenes in this t- in this in this film. I think that it, it, when you talk about uh, the worst scene, is when you have to go through the quote unquote downfall. Of Jim Valvano, uh, yeah. but before the cancer, um, 
and, right. and, I, and I think that uh, you know you are who you are, but Valvano kind of distracted would be a, a word. I, I think he tried to be all things for everyone, and you know I know there were there were times like. Uh, there famously there was a time where he went and he was like a guest commentator at, at somebody else's game on a Saturday and he flew back and he coached a game on Sunday and yeah. you know the different you know Dean Smith John Wooden those type of guys would never do anything like that uh, they you know they kept the main thing the main thing and and Valvano kind of got swept up into the celebrity of being Jim Valvano whether it was the public speaking um the the announcing uh a lot of the a lot of those different things but at the same time uh, that also led to the eventual downfall of his legacy as a coach and the the, the scandal that ended up taking him down as a coach is 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 uh it was it was a tough story at the time and there was a lot of there was a lot of bad things said about Jim Valvano, and that's, you know, I was talking about earlier, the, the build-up, and then we tear him down, and then we build him back up again. And I really, uh, some of the wounds that Jim Valvano had were far and away, you know, self-inflicted wounds, uh, because he, he, as much as he enjoyed the celebrity and things like that, he also probably in a lot of ways did not handle the celebrity and the, the way that he should have, Um and you know that that part of it is kind of hard to watch. And he made some, he you know he he made some poor decisions with who he surrounded himself with, some of the kids that he brought in, uh, and and that's one of the things I'm going to talk about here a little bit later. Um, but but that that was that was addressed. And to be honest with you, not to jump ahead too far, my first question of the post game press conference uh, would be that probably should have been talked about a little bit more. Um, Chris Washburn was not meant to be a college athlete or a college student. Charles Shackelford was not meant to be a college athlete or a college student. And there were a lot of things that were not taken care of the way that they should have. And I think they, I, you know, I know Derek Wittenberg was like one of the executive producers of the documentary. And, and I think they, they, they definitely moved past that a little bit faster than what it should have been done, in my opinion, to tell the whole story. Want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers? Go to a pen and a napkin.com, a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our a pen and a napkin university video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes from one page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every a pen and a napkin podcast and ways to contribute to the growth of a pen and a napkin. A pen and a napkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. Yeah, I won't argue with the hardest part of the move. The hardest part of the documentary is watching his downfall. Um, that said, if I'm Derek Wittenberg, I probably am skipping past that part. Quite I, 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 I understand why they did it. I, I, I yeah. don't, don't get me wrong. I understand why they did it. Yeah, but docu- it, it, it is a part of the story. So I think I think if you dive into that, I think if you dive into that piece of it more, it actually props up Wittenberg and Lowe and Bailey and Charles and McQueen mm-hmm. even more mm-hmm. because 
Valvano without Norm Sloan's dudes didn't do very much. Yeah. I mean, really. I mean, yeah. if you, I mean, if you're really looking at his career, I mean, he's done coaching by 89. Uh-huh. Uh, I think is the, I think is the, is the year. And so, I mean, they're just one, one, one other ACC title in 87 when uh, there was not even an ACC team that made the final four that year. I don't think it was one of the rare years in the eighties that the ACC didn't make the final four. Uh-huh. And so, um, I don't know. I, 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 I mean, I'm totally with exactly what you said, but I don't know that I could have given it much more unless you were doing a documentary on Jim Valvano specifically. True. I feel like this True. was more about, I mean, the, it was more about that team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, that's where, I guess that's, that's where I go with it. I, but I would agree with you. And I, and I, the, the hardest scene for me to always watch is when he comes back to Reynolds Coliseum yeah. when they're honoring that team, um, and he's so sick and they can barely get him out. I mean, that's just brutally difficult for me to watch. Yeah, so. it is. It's it's a yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's really that part of it is is hard to watch it as well. I agree with you there, Tony. That's that's a good point. So, uh, blue chips basketball realism a plus plus plus. You can't really do this with a documentary, so. Yeah. We're gonna move, we're gonna move past that category. Yeah, uh, uh, you can't get more realistic than the real thing. The John Wooden slash Don Meyer best coaching advice. I've got four or five things here, Tony. What do you got? Um, I go back to what I I go back to what I already said about uh, be- believing in believing in your in your players and in your people and who you surround yourself with. Um, I just. Uh, you know, and his line from his dad again about about believing about believing in him, um, I think is, I think it, I think it really showed throughout the documentary how much Lowe and Wittenberg and Bailey and McQueen and and Ernie Myers how much they believed in what he was doing, uh, and I think you see that the most in that Virginia championship game in the ACC where they scrapped their game plan and he was able to get them to do something completely different, uh, completely different. And they were still able to execute that and win it. And so, uh, number one, I think believe in your guys. And then two, uh, be able to adapt and adjust. You know, I think there's so much, uh, I think there are a lot of coaches now, uh, that, you know, I'm not saying right, wrong, or indifferent. You know, there are coaches who all never play zone, mm-hmm. um, or there are coaches who, well, I don't believe in uh, five out motion. I got to have a, I got to have a post in there. I got to have, you know, they believe in what they're doing, uh, and they might lose a game without adapting. Like if somebody yeah. figures them out and they don't have a, you know, they don't have a, a backup plan. Uh, I think you see that maybe a little bit a little bit more. And so uh, I would say be, be willing to win in multiple ways. And I think Jim Valvano, uh, I think that came through in this documentary. Yeah. Uh, I, I really, uh, you, you talk also, about, if I can, uh, also since I see your John Wooden and your Don Meyer, uh, uh, I, I'll have to go to, I'll have to go to, you know, John, I, I kind of almost contradict myself there because John Wooden never scouted anybody only worried about himself. <laughs> so very, very true. That goes, that goes against everything I just said. Uh, but then I always think about that famous Don Meyer quote, uh, will your best player be your hardest worker? Yep. And uh, uh, Jim Valvano's best player was his hardest worker. Yep. <laughs> for yes. sure. Yeah. So uh, th- th- I think I think that comes through in the, in the, in the piece. Yep. I, uh, 
you, you talk about believing in your players. One of the things that that I love about this is the way he unconditionally loved his players. And I think there's a fine line. You know just well as I do, Tony, you gotta hold your players accountable, but at the same time you gotta love your players. You gotta love your kids. And and I have told kids before in the middle of the game, hey, I love you, man. I I, I love you. You know, and 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 I think that that to me love is the most powerful world word in the English language. Uh, like Valvano, I've got my Italian side here. I'm I'm not quite the purebred Italian that Valvano uh, was. I'm only fifty percent Italian here. Uh, but uh, you know, loving your players, you know, I, I you you have to hold them accountable. But if, if a kid is doing exactly what you're asking them to do, that's all you can ask. Whether whether they whether you're able to win a bunch of games or win a championship and cut down the nets and all these other things. Uh, it's those relationships that you spark and that you build with one another there. And, and so um, I think that's really, really important. Um, I, I think an, another thing that I had, and, and, and with that, if, if you do that, you create great camaraderie. And you could tell that that team really loved each other. Now they had this all-time great situation that they went through that they achieved together so it's kind of it's easier to love each other in in that situation uh but i i i really think that it's um it, it's just an awesome story of 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 camaraderie with within the team as as well um i i think what valvano did a great job of when when they the, the farther that this run went on they just enjoyed it. They enjoyed every step of the way. You could tell Valvano there wasn't a camera that he couldn't find, you know, for better or worse. And so I think that uh, when we start taking it too seriously, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't take, co- you know, this is this is what, you know, I mean, a pen and a napkin is obviously very concerned about coaching and uh you know, m- making us be the best coaches that we can. But man, when you go on those runs, enjoy the hell out of it. I mean, because because mm-hmm. they they don't happen. It, you know, it's been a. It, I can speak from experience. I, I feel like I'm a heck of a lot better coach now than I was a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, ten years. But you know, Tony, it's been ten or eleven years since I've been to a state tournament, and and I got to a point in my career where I thought, well, this is just kind of what happens every year or every other year. And man, that doesn't happen. I can tell you right now, when that happens again, I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. And and I and I think that you keep it loose, you you have your team enjoy it, and you don't put too much pressure on yourself. And I think Valvano did a great job of that with his with his team. Yeah, I think you nailed a lot of things there, man. Yeah, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> um, I think the the number one thing, the best coaching advice that you could get out of this, Tony. Come straight from the title. Survive and advance. Yeah, absolutely. When you get to tourney time, it is survive, it is advance, and it doesn't matter how it happens, how pretty it is, how not pretty it is. You just you just find a way to survive that day. Heck, that's maybe life sometimes, Tony. Every yep. day you're looking to survive and advance. Yep. So, um, yeah, those are, those are my big uh, John Wood and Don Meyer coaching advice things. Do you have anything else on that one, buddy? I don't think so. I think we I think we got that one good. Okay. Best lines. Mr. Chapman, I'll let you lead on that one. <laughs> I wasn't passing that game. 
I think that's my favorite line of the whole thing, just because it, it tells you who Wittenberg was. Uh, I beat the the line about Valvanowit is and his dad to death already, but my bags are packed and I wouldn't pass in that game or my two favorite lines of the whole thing. Gotcha. And also I think not that it's a line, but I think one of the thing, one of, one of the one things I never forget about NC state Houston is Gary Bender. Oh my, that's a long way. Oh yeah. Uh, yep. uh, when he, when, uh, when, uh, Wittenberg uh, puts the shot up, and uh, uh, that, that that I think is an all-time famous NCAA tournament line, mm-hmm. uh, as far as I'm concerned. And he carries out that Wittenberg. Oops, yeah. my voice cracked like I'm 14 there. I apologize. Right. Wittenberg, yep. you know, and yep. he kind of hits that different octave with it. So, um, Sydney, or uh, I, I think it was Sydney Low. Maybe it was uh, it was either Low or Wittenberg uh, when they were at Demantha. A uh, Demantha, excuse me. If you hoot with the owls at night, you can't soar with the eagles in the morning. Yep. Yep. That's, that's a good one there. Um, the uh, Valvano, uh, my mom took Houston at eight points. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was pretty funny. Um, Billy Ray Bob, okay, where's the other three guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, Tommy, Tony. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, probably my two favorite ones. Uh, ordinary people accomplish extraordinary things. Yes. Um, man, could that not ring more true in the coach speak, coach world, uh, that type of thing. And, and then I think uh, the most famous line, of course, that comes out of this entire thing, uh, which has lived on for 30 plus years now, don't give up, don't ever give up. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think that's probably the most iconic line that comes out of this because uh, – Jim Valvano is helping beat cancer because of the way he has raised hundreds of millions of dollars posthumously to to help defeat this disease that beat him. And and yep. I think that's probably maybe the most important thing that came out of this. Without Very a doubt, true. it's the most important thing. Yep. So the Dom Pagnati, sleaziest character of the movie. Dom Pagnati, of course, from uh oh What's our Spike Lee movie? Uh, uh, he got game. Sorry, I, I, I had a brave <laughs> fart there. The Dom Pagnotti sleaziest character of the movie. Mr. Chapman, who did you have as the Dom Pagnotti sleaziest character in the movie? I don't know that there's a sleazy character in this uh, in this documentary. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't you like if you're just walking on the street? Wouldn't the wouldn't the two coaches you say, man, I don't trust that guy? Wouldn't the two coaches? Be Jerry Tarkanian and Guy Lewis. Like if you were just if you were just lining up all the coaches uh, in a row and you had to pick out, eh, I don't know if I trust that guy. I think those would be the first two guys you'd pick. But I don't know that there's really any sleazy characters. Yeah, uh, in this movie, I have a hard I have a hard time giving you a sleazy character answer here. Yeah, I agree Marty. with you. Um, I, I yeah, if you if you look at the history of the NCAA. Uh, Guy Lewis, I, I'm, I, I think he probably had his run-ins. I, I don't quote me on that. Obviously, Tarkanian waged war <laughs> against the NCAA. Jim Herrick was yeah. was fired at multiple stops right. for, for for cheating. Um, you know, so we, we we got some guys in here that um, struggled with following the letter of the law that the NCAA put into effect. Um, so. 
I, I think we, we can make that. We can make that happen. We can make that happen. So uh, there you are, the Don Pagnotti sleaziest characters in the movie. So best storyline. What was your favorite storyline, Tony? I mean, the whole, the whole, the, the story that, I mean, just what happened in 1983 and how they won it is, I mean, the storyline is the documentary. I mean, yeah. it's not like there's a movie and there's this little side story about the whole movie. I mean, the, the storyline is the, I mean, it is the documentary. I mean, exactly mm-hmm. how they, how they, how they came through it, what they did, um, I I think I think maybe if I were to add a little bit of analysis here or something, um, does this team and this story, if Jim Valvano doesn't get cancer and he doesn't start the V Foundation and he doesn't pass away, mm-hmm. is the, does this story still have the legs um, that it still has today? I mean, yeah. you know what I'm no, saying? No, I absolutely. Yeah. I, I, uh, we don't, we don't talk about, we don't talk about Villanova 1985 like we talk about NC State 1983, and we probably should. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about Danny and the Miracles 1988. Oh yeah. Who, who couldn't win in Lincoln uh-huh. uh, two weeks before the NCAA tournament uh, like we do NC State, and they're. They're very, very similar stories, all of them. Mm-hmm. But we talk about NC State because of the because of Jim Valvano and because of the legacy that he left mm-hmm. uh, when he was when he was gone. And I think maybe that's something. Maybe that's the reason that we have the story and it stays so much in the forefront of uh, of of history today, forty years later. Well, yeah, I mean, in in some ways, it's it's kind of a Greek tragedy, you know, where yeah. you have this again, this great event. We build up Valvano, and and then people start tearing away at him, and he hits rock bottom when he gets fired, essentially, from North Carolina State, and then he becomes, in a very short amount of time, a, a extremely popular uh, commentator for ESPN and ABC, and, and then of course the ultimate tragedy strikes with, with, with the cancer. Um, does Valvano continue to do the, um, the announcing? Would he, would he have gotten back into coaching? Somebody probably would have given him a second chance. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. guessing, guessing at some point he wanted, would have wanted to scratch that itch. Um, but you're right, Tony. I, I think you bring out those, those couple of examples that you talked about with Villanova, with Kansas, and and the great runs that those teams went on, and you don't have uh, the legendary uh, aura around it the same way that you have the NC State story, and I, and I think in large part because it's it's Raleigh Massimino and Larry Brown, and it's not Jim Valvano. So right. you you have this great story, but it's it's Valvano that makes the whole thing tick. Because w- without him, without him embracing the limelight the way that he that he did, and again, in a lot of ways, it ends up being the thing that that kills his coaching career. Uh, but but he embraced it. He was he was the Pied Piper, and and he took it and he ran with it. So um, I agree with you. I, I, I like your angle on that, sir. You act like you've done this journalism thing a, a time or two before. <laughs> so. Coaches. Do you want to look good? Stupid question. Of course you want to look good. We all want to look good. 
You know what's the best way to look good? Buying yourself some a pen and a napkin merchandise. We've got some really, really good looking stuff here. We've got t-shirts and sweatshirts, and you are not going to regret picking that up. T-shirts are $22 a piece. Sweatshirts are $30 a piece. If I need to mail it to you, it's just $5 shipping and handling to get this good looking stuff out to you. Coaches, I appreciate all that you've done for me over the last three years or so with a pen and a napkin. I hope I've been able to help you out. Might as well come out and help out the Twitter handle and the podcast by ordering some of pen and a napkin merchandise. And like I said, you get to look good. If you're interested in ordering, you can DM me on Twitter at a pen and a napkin, send me a direct message, or you can email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, and I'll get you those ordering details so that you can order some a pen and a napkin merchandise. Um, how can this film help you win games? Um, I've got five or six things written down here for this one, Tony. And we kind of talked about them, talked about one of them already. I talked about one and you brought up one. Uh, you got to have an alpha, you know, you got to have an alpha to, to win. Wittenberg was the alpha. Um, and then you talked about scrapping the game plan and going with the triangle and two. And sometimes you just gotta, sometimes you just gotta let it rip, you know, sometimes you just gotta kind of make it up and, 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 do some stuff as you go along here and have a plan B, a plan C, uh, you know, so forth and so on. Um, but I've got about four or five other things here. Uh, do you want to start on this one, Tony, or do you want me to? Uh, why don't you go ahead, Marty? Okay. Um, I think, you know, Valvano doesn't get enough credit for playing the psychological game. Uh, for example, he told his players in the Houston game, and we'll, and we'll kind of zero in on the Houston game, no dunks. They had 14 dunks on Saturday. They are not getting any dunks tonight, and I don't believe they had a dunk uh, that entire game. I could be wrong with that. Uh, but they didn't let Houston get out and run and fly around and do five-slam-a-jamma stuff. And, and, and Hakeem, I believe it was, admitted that that kind of took the air out of our sails. We thought we were just going to be able to kind of do whatever we wanted to do, and they wouldn't let us do it. And, and so... Uh, the psychological, no dunks. They knew that Alvin Franklin was a poor, a freshman point guard, poor free throw shooter. We're going to foul him and put him on a, in a pressure situation, you know, things like that. So understanding the psychology of the game and understanding, you know, it's kind of like in, in the civil war, Robert E. Lee never fought the same two battles twice. You know, uh, he never fought the same battle twice because not only was he fighting the terrain and he was fighting the opponent, he was also fighting the other team's general. And and he psychologically won a lot of battles even before they were fought because he, he was thinking ahead as to how his opponent was thinking. So I think that's I think that's one of the things that can help you win games. So that's that's my lead off there. Yeah, that's good stuff. And I think too you know, the, the old joke was uh, Valvano, you know, he said, if, if we win the tip, we, we might not shoot the ball. Uh, so I think, you know, I think he kind of, he played up to, uh, he played up publicly to the, the we don't have a chance mentality, but mm -hmm. he was telling his guys that's not at all what's going to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, he, he allowed them uh, to, to be, 
to be the aggressor. And, you know, you bring that up about, about Franklin. I mean, that's what, but I say be adaptable. Uh, I always, you know, it always seemed like throughout this movie that he knew the opponent almost as well as they did. Mm -hmm. And he was always willing to do something that was unique or where he felt, felt he could exploit a weakness, even back to when they, when they beat uh, Wake Forest in that first game uh, of the ACC tournament, uh, he, they, they tie the game. He, he plays a man for two and a half minutes while they're holding the ball. They call timeout with 28 seconds left, and he goes to his own trap. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he was always constantly adapting uh, and figuring out where his team's strengths were and how he could use those to his advantage. But he also was able to find the weaknesses of the opponent as opposed sometimes to his strengths. Mm-hmm. And he used the opponent's weakness to kill momentum, to uh, take their confidence down, all those different kinds of things. He, I just think he's a master X and O uh, manipulator. Yeah, they're <laughs> underrated. Under, mm-hmm. Underrated in that way. So, um, what else you got, Tony? You got anything uh, else? You know, I I mean, on how how the, how the film could help you win games, I don't really because I'm not a, I'm not a super great XO guy, but okay. uh, you know, we I think we beat a few dead horses here. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you watch this and you and you say, how can this film help you win games? And you don't think the and the, one of the first things you don't think of is believe in your players mm-hmm. uh, and believe in what you do. Uh, I think you're missing the point of the of the documentary, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, I think belief. I think belief, and I think they were always prepared. They always knew. They always they always knew what was. Uh, it, it seemed like anyway. They were always prepared. They always had an answer to. They always were able to counterattack. Um, all those different things that are the strategies inside of a game. Uh, I think Valvano was really great at. Mm-hmm. I got three three here that I'm going to rapid fire on you. All right. Okay. Uh, you got to be you. Uh, you got to be you. Your your team has to be you. So in that Houston game, uh, people forget. You know, uh, North Carolina State was ahead eight, I believe, at halftime, thirty three twenty five. The next thing they knew, they were down eight. And yeah, quick run wasn't it, wasn't it like us? Uh, it was thirty three twenty five, and then it was like forty one thirty five, yeah, something like that, right away. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Houston goes into a delay game because they want to kill time for Elijah Wan. You still got to be you. Elijah Wan's on the – he's breathing oxygen in <laughs> know, Albuquerque. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, in the elevator. By the way, Elijah Wan, not a bad line. Do you remember his line that they showed on the graphics, Tony? I don't. It 17 monster, points, though. 17 points, 17 rebounds, 7 block shots. Not a bad game. <laughs> not a bad – Pretty I think, good. I think he's got a chance to turn out to be a pretty good baller. Uh, anyway, uh, so – you got to be you. You got to stick with who you are. Uh, if you know the national championship game is not the time to to pull uh, something like let's go delay game with ten minutes left when we haven't done that all year. Now, if you've done that all year, then so be it. But you got to be you. Um, I think one of the great things about Valvano is the way that, and we've talked about this multiple times, the way he reached his players. You have to be able to motivate your kids. Now, that doesn't mean you're giving a Jim Valvano speech 25 times a year. You can't do that. That that will go in and out of your kids' ears uh, because it is, it's just going to be noise at a certain point. But you've got to figure out ways to motivate your kids within your language, within your personality, 
and and Valvano was great at motivating his players, getting them to to play hard, to step up into the moment, and and I think that he deserves credit for that. Um, and then the last thing is to fight. It's hard. It's human nature, Tony. But you fight against letdowns. You know, Valvano talked about it. They won the ACC tournament, and he says, "Watch this. We are going to let down so bad against you know." And they go out to Corvallis, Oregon, against Pepperdine, mm-hmm. and they almost lose it. Just like Houston thought they had slayed the dragon in Louisville, and they let down against North Carolina State. So guarding against mm-hmm. letdowns—that's another thing that this film can teach you. So, um. Let's kind of, we'll finish this strong here, Tony. Uh, motivational grade, how motivated are you to hoop after watching this movie from A to F, Tony? Uh, a++, plus plus, like uh, 4.0 scale, it's like a 4.2. Wow. Yeah, it's, wow. A, it's, it's, one of, it's one of my favorites. Um, and I would just ask, I would just say like, you know, for me, so we talked about, um, we talked about, uh, how how this how this story endured, but you know, in, uh, in 1994 is my senior year. We went to the state basketball tournament. We uh, we beat a couple teams we weren't supposed to beat. We got to the state finals. We ended up losing the championship game. But uh, with our team to the district final and every game of our state championship or uh, every game of our state tournament run, uh, we took a little sheet that said, "Don't give up, don't ever get up," and we left it in the locker room after every game. Uh, cool. and we, we took it, we put it up there. Uh, and that was kind of our motto, uh, after, you know, Jimmy V dies in April of 93. Uh, and in, in, in that year and that, that next year after we, we really used that to, uh, to go on a run and have a little fun with our buddies, mm-hmm. uh, 11 years after he wins the national championship. So. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I love this. It's it's just a great basketball story. There's not a lot of fluff to it. Um, whether it's X's and O's, it's team camaraderie, it's team building, it's motivation, you know, all the above. Uh, just terrific stuff. So, uh, I talked to you about my first questions at the post game news conference or uh, the the post game yeah post game press conference. Uh, you know, again, Washburn, Shackelford. Some of the some of the things that happened, I, I you know they talked about it, but you know I, I think they they could have talked about it a little bit more. That was my one post game question. Did you have any, Tony? Yeah, I, like questions about the documentary. I don't like. I often wonder, like as a as a sports guy, like as a as a writer, I often wonder if you could transport transport me to the pit in nineteen eighty three. What would I have asked? Jim Valvano uh, at the end of that at the end of that game and you know you, you almost like I almost sit there and I go I almost just say like I think I would have asked him just how you drew it up right coach just to see what he would have said <laughs> and I think you'd have got like a three or four or five minute answer that would have been fantastic and I'm sure that may be out there in the in the universe somewhere but uh I don't know, that's kind of what I thought of with, with that with that question. Well, if you'd have hopped in the DeLorean a couple of years later, or no, uh, 2015 with Marty McFly in Back to the Future 2 with Gray's Sports Almanac, if you were at the pit that night, you could have <laughs> said, ah, 500 bucks, Lorenzo Charles dunks it yeah. to win the game. You know? Yep. Uh, you, you could have done that as well. So, um, In-game adjustments. Anything you would have done differently, Tony? 
I don't see how this question can possibly even be answered for this movie because every single button he pushed that they pushed the whole movie was the the whole documentary yep. was the right button. Agreed. Agreed. No. <laughs> Oh, just, no, no, you can't answer it. <laughs> yep. No, no, and, and sometimes it doesn't fit. I mean, you know, sometimes yeah. the categories don't fit. Like I said, the the you know, and, and I've said it a couple times. I just would have liked to, you know, they probably should have talked a little bit more about the Washburn Shackleford kind of the, uh, you know, that 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 stuff a little bit more. But that's my only, you know, that's my only uh, thing to pick on it. I, I don't think yeah. there's any in-game adjustments. I don't think that there's any. Uh, DNP CDs. Uh, is there anybody in this that should not have been in it? I think everybody that was in it was was really really good. Uh, it was yep. cool to see Coach K in there talking about Valvano. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, they had a lot of the players. They had a lot of different uh, uh, voices talking about the experience. I really like. I can't remember the guy's name, uh, but he was a graduate assistant. Yes, um, I thought he was awesome. Yeah, he's terrific. He's terrific. I loved how he talked about. No, he wasn't even in Corvallis. Yes, they didn't yeah. even get to take him to the <laughs> to the deal. And he talked about how mad he was getting, and then he went to bed, and then he woke up, and it was like, oh my god, I thought that was that was great. Mm-hmm. So, who gets the game ball, Mister Chapman? I'm curious to see who. Um, I'm curious to see who you answer here. Okay. Uh, but my game ball goes to uh, – I, I my game ball in this goes to Lorenzo Charles. If he doesn't make the dunk, we don't have the story. Huh. Very good. Okay. All right. That's where I'm going. Okay. Even though, you know, you don't get to meet Lorenzo Charles in this whole documentary. Yeah. You know, you don't hear from him. He's, yeah. he's the, you know, it starts with him passing away in the, in the bus accident and, and Derek Wittenberg speaking at his funeral. And, um, but again, I think you, you know, if you don't, uh, if he, if he doesn't do what he did, uh, we don't have we don't get to, we don't get to talk about this for seventy minutes. Absolutely. My biggest fear, my biggest fear, Marty tonight was that we talk longer than the documentary actually is, <laughs> and I, I'm hoping we can we can we can sneak it in here underneath the uh, underneath that time. I think we're going to be okay. I think we're going to be okay. <laughs> Dexter Goodner and I almost did the length of Hoop Dreams. We went over two hours on Hoop Dreams last year, <laughs> so that that was that was the longest. A pen and a napkin episode ever uh, was yeah that was right at two hours so, uh, so and we almost matched that documentary there so um, I'm gonna zig a little bit here Tony okay the game ball is goes to the V Foundation oh good you know and and cancer research um, you know again we we talked about the tragedy of of valvano and and i i'm sure obviously we all remember the sb speech uh we've we've seen it hundreds of times between mm-hmm. the two of us uh it was it was you knew when you were watching it live that you were seeing something happen that was going to be remembered for a long time i mean that's how yep. uh, Im- impactful that speech was in the moment and uh, the the legacy of Jim Valvano continues to live on. It's been thirty years since his passing, and and I and I just think that uh, as as great of a basketball coach that he was, and the games that he won, and and the way that he entertained people, 
his legacy has been even more powerful in his death and the way that um, he's he's helped thousands. You know, who knows how many people he has helped uh, survive from this awful, awful disease that has affected all of us in some way, shape, or form. You can't be a human being and not be affected by cancer in some way, shape, or form. And and for me, you know, my my first friend, um, Heath Robinson, uh, passed away last fall from cancer. He's forty seven years old, the same age that Valvano was. And and yeah. and uh, I had to uh, his his mom and his sister asked me to speak at the funeral, and. Um, you know, I've had to do that twice now in the last three years, and right. I don't, I don't wish that upon anybody. Uh, but I was honored to do it. I did it to the best of my ability, and uh, you know, so you know, cancer sucks, as the saying goes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, uh, I, I just think the V Foundation is the big winner here. Yeah, I love that. I uh, uh, lost, as you know, lost my dad to cancer. I lost yep. grandparents to cancer, and yep. uh, every year, uh, every year under our Christmas tree is a donation uh, to the V Foundation. So yep. I believe in what they do, and I, uh, um, I, I completely agree that what he did, what he's doing now after after his life well lived, uh, has been far more impactful than a silly basketball game in March of 1983. Yep. Yep. Overall grade, Mr. Chapman, is there any debate? Is there any debate? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an A plus for me. A plus for me. So we, we, we are Siskel and Ebert giving this bad boy two massive thumbs up. up, You bet. So exactly. Uh, Hey, Tony, uh, you got you got the floor here. What's what's going on in your world? What's going on with Nebraska? Perhaps any big things you got coming on the horizon? Anything you want to let people know about, man? You know, uh, not really. We've got uh, you know Mike's obviously doing a lot of stuff right now uh, with with summer football and seven on seven that has been on the website here recently. We'll start firing up some previews uh, volleyball and football. I'm guessing in early August and. You'll probably see me on on sidelines and at cross country meets and and now that I have a freshman at golf meets and I'll just be probably somewhere every night uh, every night somewhere I'll figure out a place to be uh, once the fall sports season hits so uh, it'll be fun looking forward to it awesome so, awesome well if you ever yep. get over here in the Omaha area give me a holler man and and uh, uh, for doing a couple of these podcasts with me I owe you a little bit so let me take care of you how about that that'd be great I as as you know. Uh, as you know, Marty, one of my one of my favorite uh, stories I've ever done was on the boys at the fort uh, two basketball seasons ago. the The community you've got there is pretty awesome, and uh, I hope hope the best for the pioneers uh, this fall. And I wish you guys a good school year too. So yeah, yeah, we could we could put off that school year for a little while yet. The summer <laughs> the summer's going a little fast. It's uh, a little quick. Yes, yep, yeah, it is. Quick. So I was actually so, talking to one of my. Uh, players moms today and it's like man it's it's already june 20 june 27th but uh it's it's a big day at our house our our son carter it's his 21st birthday yeah it's 21st birthday today so we're gonna go up and see him this weekend uh we're we're excited so it's it's it's, i don't know uh i don't i'm sorry i'm sorry to interrupt you i don't know when you're dropping the pod 
but if but if the folks are following me on Twitter, next week will probably be uh, super epic. Uh, Live my runner, my middle daughter, and I and my mom. It'll be two years since my dad died on July sixth, and uh, so Live and myself and my mom, we are Griswolding road tripping to Eugene, Oregon, to see Hayward Field. Uh, at USA Track and Field Nationals next awesome. week. So awesome. we're going to do that, and uh, we're going to get down to uh, Coos Bay, where Steve Prefontaine is from. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, if you ever want to get I'm, – I'm big into the running movies now, too, so there's a couple of Steve Prefontaine movies we could maybe break down. I know it's not basketball, but uh, motivational uh, stuff would be uh, fun. You should watch those, Marty. Um, uh, you know, I um... – I will I will not be participating in any of the running movies. The only running I kind of do right now is from my couch to the refrigerator. Um yeah. you know, but, but much like you wouldn't play hockey, much like you wouldn't play hockey, you watch Miracle. Uh and so I feel like you could I feel like you could still take a few things to your team uh with uh Steve Prefontaine and uh the great, the great stuff about Prefontaine is his relationship with his coach at Oregon, Bill Bowerman, who was like the most famous track coach ever, and founded Nike uh, mm-hmm. with Phil Knight. So there's some cool stuff there. There, yeah, yeah, uh, there is. So I just want to, I just want to tell you that uh, uh, before you do the Griswold family truckster out to the to the West Coast, there, do not buy uh, a car from Eugene Levy when you ask for the Antarctic Blue Super Sports Wagon with CB and optional Rally Fun Pack. All right, yeah, so make sure you get that taken care of. I will. I will make sure of that. Yeah. So, well, hey, Tony, I really appreciate your time. Uh, it's, it's been a great discussion. You're you're always welcome on a pen and a napkin, and uh, great discussion on a great documentary. And I and uh, you know I hope folks enjoyed our discussion this evening. And uh, yeah, it's just been, it's just been great having you on, man. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. For for Tony Chapman, this is Marty Plum from A Pen and a Napkin. Uh, we're back in the film room here with uh, Survive in Advance, one of the best uh, basketball documentaries that you could possibly watch. So if you haven't seen it before, check it out because it is absolutely awesome. So, coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.